Mother-loving Future Show, hosted by Amber Strange and Jenna Penrose, two mothers and detectives dedicated to fully embodying a new paradigm of conscious parenting, deeper relationships, healing ourselves into radiant health, and epic answers to age-old enigmas. Get ready to get your mind blown, because this week's episode starts in three. Two, one. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Mother Loving Future Show. It's Amber and Jenna here. And today we get the pleasure of interviewing me. Yeah, I should really be doing the intro <laughs> since you're the I guest. I'm thinking, wait a second. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Mother Loving Future Show. Nice. I will be your host, Jenna. And today I am interviewing a very special guest and her name is Amber Lestrange. That's me. So exciting episode today, an episode that we've been waiting a while to share with you, but um, Amber's pregnant. (laughs) Shimmy, shimmy. I'm doing a little shimmy right now. You you might have already gathered that from her Instagram or from her husband's Instagram a few days earlier. totally stole my glory, (laughs) robbed me of my big announcement, but you know. Um, But it's happening, guys. It's happening. So we're going to talk all about it today because I know you all want the juicy details. You know, I'm all about the juice. I'm going to try to juice this. This blueberry sitting in front of me. It's actually a banana at this point. Okay. Okay. Oh, now I was talking about you as the blueberry. Oh. Well, because you're wearing blue, but also because I had a vision of like Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory where they roll the blueberry off to the juicing room. Is that how what I look like right now? No. She ha- she does not. Like, she does not. She's not big in any way except for this cute little belly. No roundness of the, the blueberry. <laughs> reminiscent of Willy Wonka, just just a very cute little protruding belly. Protruding. Yes. Thank you, darling. So um, so let's get into it. Yeah? Yeah. Do you have um are, are you gonna like give me a little bio intro or something? Or yeah. Um so do don't we have tell a bio? any of my secrets though. No, we don't really have a bio. <laughs> For but... your bio, I will tell you Amber's internet password. No, no you I'm just will kidding. not. <laughs> no, I just I'm, I'm a mom to Valentine who's nearly five uh-huh. and I'm 25 weeks pregnant after experiencing two miscarriages and a ruptured ectopic pregnancy over the past two years. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I call her one tube Sally because she <laughs> lost a tube. One tube, Sally. But clearly she doesn't need both tubes. And you know what I clearly learned which is that you taught me, which is very interesting, that the other tube could actually detach, the right tube could actually detach from the right ovary, move over to the left ovary, pick up the egg and deposit it into the womb. Correcto. So our bodies are basically magic. And if that could happen, then, you know, it's the miracle of conception, things, anything could happen. True. So you are a true, to make babies. You are a living testament to that. So, I am. so let's get into this. Um, I have a little definition. Great for uh, Amber's finally pregnant, which is the defi- which is the title of today's show. So, when someone has been told that they are infertile by doctors, and they have suffered multiple miscarriages <gasps> and an ectopic pregnancy wah, during wah. which they lost a fallopian tube, but they still managed to get pregnant by the grace of God. And by my Lear determination. And everybody is thrilled about it, <laughs> especially me. Sure. Ah, cute little auntie over there. So, um, so how do you feel? Like, how do you feel today? Like on, on week 25, tell me how you feel today. Well, I want to start by saying I feel very different today emotionally Mm -hmm. than I have been feeling the whole pregnancy. Mm. It's been a real roller coaster. (coughs) Um, Excuse me if I cough during this episode. You're excused. I'm not going to hold it in. I can edit it out. But now that I've said that, I probably won't. So I, as you know, my, you know, my history, I had a, uh, Miss, well, first of all, I had Valentine. And then when Valentine was about three and a half, we thought, all right, okay, we've just come out of the baby fog, believe it or not, at around three and a half. I did attachment parenting. He breastfed for over two years. I didn't sleep for over two years. So 
the first few years of motherhood was really a massive vortex that I was stuck in. So it took me a while to get out of that and find my health and freedom again. So I waited for about three and a half years and then Carrie and I thought, yeah, let's, our family isn't done yet. And I could kind of feel a little soul hovering around. I totally felt that soul too. Mm -hmm. Did, was it more you or more Carrie that was like pushing for it? Mm, It was probably more Carrie to be honest, if I'm really going to think about it, but I've noticed in my life, what holds me back are the stories and the fears. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure in my heart of hearts, I was rooting for it just as much as he was, but I had the story that it's going to be this crazy whirlwind and uh, am I going to be able to sustain the sleepless nights and this and that again? And, Oh, can I go back into that Mm. thought and the birth and the whole Mm -hmm. thing? So, which I'm totally rewriting right now, by the way, and I'm super excited now. I'm excited. I want to hear about your excitement, but let me just ask you, because you said you did have these mental holdups around, um, you know, some of your fears in going into motherhood again. Now, I do want to just kind of recap. I know we've talked about it on some past episodes about your your miscarriages, your ectopic, and your struggles to get pregnant. But I, I do want to recap it just in case someone's just listening to this episode. But I also want to ask you, do you think that some of your fears and stories contributed in any way to losing pregnancies? I mean, just curious. Who knows? Not consciously. I don't, when I tune into that and drop into my gut knowing, mm-hmm. that doesn't feel related. Okay. It feels more like there was possibly this baby spirit was beckoning me towards something that needed mm-hmm. to be deeply healed mm-hmm. around my health and possibly around my stories as well mm-hmm. before it was ready mm-hmm. to come through and use me as a vessel to mm-hmm. come through. So I really believe in decoding breakdowns and finding the breakthrough and and really learning from the ups and the downs and the everything in life. And I've been pondering a lot during that phase of a miscarriage, then a ruptured ectopic, and then another miscarriage, really thinking about why, what's the bigger meaning here and mm-hmm. where are the lines to read between and how can I grow from this? And I, I think it was a spiritual lesson. And what was that lesson? What did you learn from all of that? Well, I had a big discovery. Well, first of all, I had never had a miscarriage before. So it was very jarring for me. Uh, I didn't try to get pregnant with Valentine. Clearly, you know, I I wasn't paying much attention. I wasn't not trying. But um, Valentine's conception was very, I thought I was infertile. And so I thought I kind of had some space and time to prepare for pregnancy, get my head around it and physically, emotionally, mentally prepare and have everything set up and ready and do the conscious conception and that whole thing. But he just kind of came in suddenly after about six weeks of being engaged. And so... I had the narrative that I didn't have an issue getting pregnant and I had never really looked into motherhood or pregnancy or any of that stuff before. I was the first one of my friends to get pregnant. So when we then tried to conceive again and I had a miscarriage, it was um, a jarring experience because I I watched my, my inner dialogue going immediately to what have I done? I did something wrong, guilt, etc. Listen to the miscarriage episode if you guys want to know more. But then that I think may have left me with a bit of fear around my body's capability, health and balance going forward. So then I waited another six months after that miscarriage and the doctor told me, oh, it's just an XY chromosome mismatch. It happens all the time. And I said to her, are you sure that there's nothing deeper to this? Maybe there's an imbalance. Is there something I can do to get more, you know, how are my hormone levels? No, 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 no. We don't even look into any of that until the third consecutive miscarriage. And, and if a mom, what's the reason, I don't know that you know, but what's the reasoning behind that? Because if you're as a mom having a sense and intuition that there's an imbalance in your body, why make you suffer three miscarriages before they're going to look into that? I mean, I don't know. You'd have to ask the doctor, but I think it's about time and resources and it just maybe the average miscarriage is around an XY chromosome mismatch. I don't know the statistics, 
but maybe they just don't want to go into all the investigation. And that's why I think it's important for if a woman has an, an inclination that there is a deeper imbalance or a reason that is contributing to a health issue to really follow that. Absolutely. Because I felt that, but I let my practical mind override that so with the doctor saying, oh, it's nothing it happens all the time. We're going to, you know, if you have a third one in a row, then we'll look into it. So I'm like, oh, well, I guess she's the expert. <laughs> And so you had a miscarriage, mm-hmm. ectopic miscarriage again? Yes. Okay. So then six months afterwards, um, I think it was about six months, yeah, we then started <coughs> conceiving again. And I, it was about, f- and mind you, the three pregnancies before this pregnancy all took about four months of trying to get pregnant Hmm. and really going for like studying my ovulation. And this is when we need to be having sex and having sex all the time to try and putting the legs up on the bed and the whole thing. And, um, the irony is that the two times I didn't try to get pregnant and I actually consciously said, Carrie, do not get me pregnant. I genuinely need space and time to do this detox or whatever it may be was the time I got pregnant. It's when you're not trying that you're almost putting that energy out there that the universe is more attracted to. Interesting. It's like yeah. playing hard hard to get. Yeah, that's it. It's just like the dating game. It's mm-hmm. like as soon as you say, I'm so not ready to get married or meet my life partner, I'm having so much fun. I'm authentically just in my own space and love it there is like the most alluring energy to to bring out to the world and you're swamped with life partners, hopefully. hopefully. I don't know. Who knows? And so um, your progression of miscarriage, ectopic miscarriage, did your doctor see that as three miscarriages No, she didn't. So I I had the ectopic probably about six months after the original (coughs) miscarriage. And that for anyone who doesn't know what an ectopic pregnancy is, because I didn't know, it's when the, the egg halts in a fallopian tube and doesn't make it all the way through. And uh, it could be other places too, which is outside of the uterus. Outside of the uterus, you get pregnant, right. but the most common place is a fallopian, fallopian tube. Mm-hmm. And so they say there are various reasons this happens. Of course, just it's a mystery is one of them. And then another one is you have scarring or an issue with your fallopian tubes which can come from endometriosis or I think chlamydia, which I don't have, by the way, just putting it out there. And you don't, you don't have any endometriosis? No. And so you had been, you know, originally diagnosed as infertile when you were a teenager due to PCOS. Correct. Does PCOS have any scar tissue from, could it be have been scar tissue from that? I don't think so because I had cysts covering both ovaries, but they were on the outside of the ovaries. So I don't see how that's connected to the inside of the fallopian tube. Mm-hmm. But I do have endometriosis in my family. My auntie, who I have an extremely similar constitution to physically and emotionally, has endometriosis. So who knows? Who knows? But all I know is that the timing of my ectopic pregnancy, the halt of this spirit, was very strangely timed with another massive emotional breakdown in in my life at that time. And I I see them both as a death and an opportunity for a rebirth. And I think they're completely connected. Whether the stress brought on the ectopic or it was just kind of this universal statement of hold on wait up, you need to sort your shit out before any high vibe being is coming through. Who knows? But I I don't think that was a mistake. And so now we're kind of getting back to the question of what was the sole lesson that you were learning in the last, you know, three mishaps. Mm -hmm. So do you think that, so you feel like you did grow and evolve a lot during this time and strengthen your health and your mental state. So all three mishaps led me to be determined. This is, this has been my story my whole life as well. This is how I entered the whole 
holistic scene is just not getting the answers from doctors, having an inner knowing that was driving me to investigate that there's something deeper and there's a big lesson here for me. So after my third mishap, which was after after I had been left with one tube, um, one tube Sally over here. You always Sally, had such a sense of humor about it, you know? <laughs> Except when I was getting wheeled off with my cute little blue shower cap on into emergency surgery oh. at like 1 a.m. that night. I was not happy. <laughs> I'm no. like, why? Anyway, so the third, after the third, I went to the doctor after the um, fallopian tube explosion and that is when... Because you would have died if you hadn't. So I was internally bleeding. I had like two or three quart sizes of blood in my abdomen and they had to rush me in and operate immediately. Ended up taking a tube because it had exploded so much it was unrecoverable. And then the doctor had a chat with me and said, listen, just because you have one tube doesn't lessen your chances of getting pregnant by 50% or anything like that. And as you mentioned before, she explained how the, the fallopian tube on the right, if my left ovary created an egg, it could fly over, detach from that right ovary, pick it up, implement it, and it'd be fine. So I then um, kind of thought to myself, oh, it's probably going to take a while to get pregnant now that I've only got one fallopian tube, but I still strong believer in the body's innate wisdom and ability to heal and to produce babies. So then my doctor said, I'm not going to look into this because this doesn't count as miscarriage. And so I was so, I was, I, at that point I was just so scared and bamboozled from what had just happened. I was just off the whole idea of getting pregnant. I was just like, Oh, I just need a break. I need to investigate what's really going on in my own self and in my psyche and what the big lesson is here. Now, just a little sidetrack. At this point, I had discovered that I was RH negative, which means that I have a negative blood type. AKA she's an, an alien. That's true. Obviously. They say that it's alien lineage if you're <laughs> a negative blood type because it's such a small percentage. I'm not sure who they are in this case, who? but somebody said it sometime. Mr. Google. Someone said it someday. <laughs> Mr. Google blipped it out there at some point. So little alien over here is a negative. Carrie is a positive. So Are you sure about that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, he's a positive. We looked at his um, birth certificate. So that makes me an RH negative, which means that if I'm carrying a baby, which is the predominant um, blood type is positive. The right? dominant. The, 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 well, the dominant. Positive is dominant. So yeah. if you if unless Carrie's holding a negative a recessive negative gene, likely is your baby's gonna be positive. That's it. So that's what the doctors are going off when they say that if you're a negative blood type and your husband's positive, you have to do the the um average protocol which they offer all not offer but suggest all aggressively suggest. Uh, exactly. All pregnant women um to get a Rogam shot, which I didn't look into at the time, but I'm now finding out is a vaccination with heavy metals and neurotoxins, but also with an antibody that helps your body stop producing um, a fight against the the alien blood type inside you. And just to clarify a little bit, so what what could happen is if your, your RH negative factor, it can attack your fetus and recognize it as a foreign body that's it. in your system. And and it can lead to extreme case scenario is infant death and a blood transfusion for the mother. So that's kind of like the extreme case. And so anyway, Got the RH, the, the Rogam shot. Okay, moving on. I I can't remember. I think we started, we, we were kind of like warming up for the third try eventually. Had another miscarriage. And at that point, I just said, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to be that case that has 10 in a row and just waits for the doctor's orders. I'm looking into this. I started meditating <coughs> on it. And I 
was really doing the inner work that I could take responsibility for and started to move through any fears around. I had quite a lot of fear around the birth actually. So I thought maybe that's a blockage. I went to- And you can listen to the episode on Amber's birth story that we posted a few weeks ago around, if you want to hear about how Valentine's birth was semi-traumatic for Amber. (laughs) Large, large head. Very large head. It means very (laughs) large brain. (laughs) That's true. Little genius. Anyway, so I basically found an incredible doctor who I really trust, who is tapped into the holistic mind, body, soul, the physical, mental, emotional approach to health. And he uses the medium of kinesiology and he has a background. Which means muscle testing. Muscle testing. Yep. So tapping into your own body's wisdom to communicate with the doctor. And um, he, I think he has a background in in Chinese medicine. Is he Chinese? Yeah. He, he's Thai from the Asia, he's from Asia. He's from Asia somewhere, yeah. Okay. And very cool guy, I might add. I've never seen him in a, in a as a doctor. I've never seen him as my doctor, but I've just heard Amber talk about him. We actually asked him to be on the podcast and he refused because it's he didn't want to put some of his crazy ideas out there, which we totally respect, but a really cool guy. Yeah. Not crazy ideas. I think pretty on point. I mean, ideas, I- ideas that we are we are also crazy about. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. not crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's smart, smart man. If you ask me. So I went to this. I found I outsourced a professional who I felt could investigate areas which I felt I didn't have the skill to get down to the nuance of the fine imbalance that I could feel was happening in my system. I did have an inclination that it was something around depletion because I had never, I didn't do my 40 day postpartum, which I'm totally stoked to do this time around of lying flat in your bed, getting hot oil massages and sipping on bone broth for 40 days. Um, And I breastfed for two and a half years or two years. And I just felt like I never truly recovered from my birth. So I had that inclination and then he went in and through his testing, he, he discovered that, um, I had low progesterone, which is one of the main causes of miscarriages. My doctor never told me that either. And because if you have low progesterone, your estrogen and progesterone have to be leveled for you to hold a baby beyond six weeks and have a healthy pregnancy to the end. And both miscarriages dropped off at exactly six weeks. And I also discovered my ectopic funnily enough at six weeks. So I definitely had low progesterone, which could easily be linked to the miscarriages. Now, why did I have low progesterone? So he he's all about the root cause. So he went even further into the imbalance in my health onto the microscopic level of viruses and bacteria. So on a virus level, he found that I had, um, I had Epstein-Barr virus, EBV. And you had known that you had that or you no, didn't know? I had no idea. I had heard about EBV, but I didn't really know what it was. I didn't know how common it was. I didn't know what the symptoms were. And so once I started researching EBV, it all made sense. It was incredible to connect the dots. So he said to me, before he even knew about my polycystic ovaries when I was very young, he said to me, can you, um, are you, it seems as though this EBV, which is a virus, like a little tiny bug, right? Did you suffer anything in your ovaries? Did you have polycystic ovaries at all when you were growing up? I said, yes, a really severe case. He's like, that's interesting because your EBV nested and began in your ovaries, which can cause an imbalance in there creating polycystic ovaries. Where do you think you got the EBV? Because you must have had that a long time ago. EBV is contracted through what you Americans call mono. But did you have mono? Glandular fever. Did you have mono when you were a little little kid? Yeah, I had I had glandular fever. How old were you? I can't remember. The EBV probably wiped out my memory of the whole situation. But it must have been. I mean, for it to have given you polycystic ovaries enough for you never to have gotten your period when you were like thirteen or fourteen, you had to have gotten it before that. Probably, yeah. I, I got my first, I got one cycle 
I bled for four, five days when I was 17 once. And then that's it. Never again until I, I went on the contraceptive pill. So do children get e- EVV? Well, if they catch mono, they get EBV. Mm-hmm. So so this is what I know. And obviously I'm not a doctor. This is just all the research I've done, speaking to doctors, reading the medical medium, going down the EBV rabbit hole. So EBV is contracted through mono, which is a kissing disease, but you can also get it through sharing cups and food and with someone who has, actually it's not a disease, sorry, a kissing virus, let's say that. And EBV nests in your body somewhere. It feeds off stress receptors. So any stressful events, whether that be emotional stress or physical stress that you go through will amplify the virus in your system. And as it amplifies, it starts to move. And wherever it nests next is most probably where you're going to be getting signs and symptoms of there being an imbalance in your system. So my, he then said to me, did you have thyroid problems? And the thi- I had an underactive thyroid after I got diagnosed with polycystic ovaries. They then traced it four years later to an underactive thyroid. And he said, that's the EBV moving from your ovaries up to nest. They love nesting in the thyroid. A lot of the time they also nest in the spleen and the liver because they feed off toxins as well. Ugh. So- it was all making sense. And, and then he said, what was your experience of health after your natural unmet, unmedicated childbirth? And I said, I felt like my nervous system was shot and that it was quite a trauma on my physical system for me. And going straight from that into not sleeping and not really look up, looking after myself and the stress of a new mother. I think, um, the whole, that whole period I was quite depleted. And so he's, he said, that is when the EBV can really get to the next level. So there's about four different levels with EBV. One is showing up just as kind of like, eh, not much of an appetite and, you know, um, hormone imbalances and lethargy, maybe no libido, like a whole bunch of symptoms. And then the next can go, you can keep creeping up until you're at autoimmune disorder level. And then it shows up as a thyroid disorder. And then it shows up as autoimmune. Hashimoto's is another big one, how EBV expresses itself, which is brilliant because so many people just look at the symptoms rather than looking at something like Lyme's disease or EBV, which is actually the root cause of all these different symptoms and they're all connected. So I then, once it all made sense and and he measured out the EBV and he said I was at about a level three, I started, I was so relieved to get an answer. All Mm. I want is answers. And once I have the answer, I feel empowered to start making steps to recover. So I then went on this hardcore protocol to blast out that bastard, which consisted of an antiviral diet. So no milk, no eggs, no pork. Um, You can look it up. It's a very kind of simple diet. I also went off coffee for a while and alcohol and um, basically just did a lot of um, gut health restoring and, I've been on that for a while now, but I stuck to that for about six months as well as all of his little tinctures he gave me to blast it out. So I was starving it and blasting it at the same time. Did you do celery juice? Yeah, girl. So medical medium, if anyone's familiar, a lot of people, he's becoming a bit of a buzzword right now. I discovered medical medium, healing your thyroid. And this is before I knew I had EBV. I read on his connection between EBV and the thyroid. And one of the first things he recommends as a protocol is celery juice. And I love that it's becoming such a trend right now with celery juice because I think that so many people unknowingly have EBV. NPR called celery the aspirational vegetable of the moment. (laughs) Make sure it's regenerative farm (laughs) celery. We just did an amazing episode. <clears throat> Shout out to regenerative agriculture, everyone. Beyond organic. 
Um, so yes, did celery juice, did the whole thing. Got your EV- EBV. Got the EBV under control, kept going back. He kept measuring. I was going down by percentages. It was all working, looking good. I started to feel like I was coming, becoming more vital. I had been without a libido for probably, um, sorry, Kara, if you're listening to that, it's not you, it's me, um, <laughs> for about four years I'd been going without a libido. Do you think since the birth? Since the birth. And I thought that it could have been trauma to that area, that womb area. And also there was numbness from the EBV nesting in that area. And the more the EBV accelerated through stress, trauma, et cetera, the more part of uh, EBV symptom is losing libido. So I kind of knew when I started to feel my libido coming back, that whole lower chakra is coming into balance, which would be the prime time to hold a baby and to be communicating with all the other parts of my body. And so I was waiting for that libido to start to sneak back in for to indicate that, okay, getting back on track for baby making. <coughs> so did the EBV protocol for about six months and I said, okay, All I want to do now is a heavy metal cleanse because you can pass down heavy metals to your fetus. We all do. And um, we live in a pretty toxic society these days. So I said, Kerry, we are not getting pregnant until we do a a heavy metal cleanse. And then you do a cleanse with a, I don't want inflamed systems when we're making, when I'm drawing from your genetics. So no beer, X, Y, Z. He wasn't on board with that but I was thinking of ways to sneak it in there unknowingly, but didn't have time for that because we had once again, one night where we weren't careful and I was pregnant. Well, clearly, um, you know, universe did not think that you needed a heavy metal detox. And second of all, I just want to say that, um, you know, since your first miscarriage, even before you got pregnant, before the first miscarriage, I, I felt this baby spirit around you. And I feel like that baby dipped its toe in and it's really been the same baby sort of like upgrading you this whole time, getting you ready to actually inhabit your womb, which, and now the baby is inhabiting in your womb. So woohoo. But I'm just, just want to say that because I know for a lot of people who do have miscarriages or suffer from miscarriages, it can really feel like a loss, but it doesn't have to, it could be the same baby, the same soul. So it's not even that you've lost anything. You've really just grown. It feels like the same soul. Of course I could be projecting, but it feel energetically, it feels like a very soft, feminine dare I say it's a mystery of the gender right now but I'm I'm kind of feeling girly vibes and as you said Jenna this you know we were talking about before about um what was the the spiritual lesson what was the bigger reason why all those mishaps happened I never would have dove into going down to the nuances of my imbalances in my system. I don't think I would have ever found that EBV. I would never have gone to that doctor. Mm-hmm. And I think that that EBV wanted to be healed on some level because it was contributing to a whole myriad of, of issues. All your health it is kind of the root of all your health totally. problems forever since I was a little girl. Totally. So that, I think the baby spirit was beckoning me to look into an imbalance and along that journey as well, really clear out any emotional, mental um, blockages I have around birthing, around falling pregnant, around my parents, around all of that. So I think it was just calling me to the next level of evolution before I went to come Amazing. Already already putting you through the ringer and it's not even born. (laughs) Um, Okay. So tell me, how'd you find out you were pregnant this time? So we, I had a friend from Australia in town. It was his birthday and he's a bit of a Viking type. And he said, come on, let's hit the town. Let's have a big one. Let's go and have some drinks and dance. And I said to myself, you know, I'm always up for a bit of a rave. And I said, you know what? My period's about (coughs) three, four days late. I'm just going to do a pregnancy test 
just in case because I don't want to go out having too many G&Ts, gin and tonics for anyone who doesn't know that, G&Ts and like party, you know, dancing all night if I've got a little crazy baby growing in me. And so I was at a girlfriend's house and I said, you don't happen to have like an old pregnancy stick or anything, do you? She's like, oh, yeah, I've got one of those uh, one of those digital ones in in the bathroom drawer. That's a friend. Yeah. Because those are like friend. $20 each. <laughs> totally. And um, I went, okay, cool. Went and peed on a stick and I was standing in the bathroom just waiting, la, 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 honest to God, not for a second thinking I was actually pregnant. And then bloop, pregnant. The word pregnant popped up on this stick and it was such a mixed this was this is the interesting bit. You wanted to party that night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, come on, I really wanted that GT. No. It was more, it was interesting observing where the the battle beginning between um my heart and my head in that moment. My head was um withdrawing from the idea of being pregnant as a defense mechanism because of the three mishaps before that and my heart was opening but contracting because my head was dominating in that moment and so i i was just a bit baffled mm-hmm. at how and plus i had this whole plan conscious conception candlelights you know heavy metal detail you know we all have these plans of how we want it to go we plan. God laughs. Yeah. Every time, every time. So I just went out to the living room where everyone was hanging out and I just screamed, I'm pregnant. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) That's not what happened. I just stood there kind of ghostly white and held up this stick. And I think someone caught my eye and their eyes just lit up and they went, no. And then wait, how many people were in that room? There were about four of us. Okay. And they all looked at me and they went, no. And everyone was just kind of a bit shell shocked, but that's was when Carrie in that room. Carrie was in the room. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Carrie was in the room. He was excited, also shell shocked, and also at the same time because they're all our best friends and they understood the journey I'd been on. No one wanted to be too excited in case it's another mishap. So I definitely felt the first to be honest like six months of this pregnancy being extremely detached and she's 25 weeks so six months was like (laughs) last week basically yeah and you know what though I can testify as well to that because you were not you were not connecting with the baby in a way and and I think that's good I don't think you need to connect with the baby or anything I think it's all happening perfectly but I'm just saying like I noticed that defense mechanism in you you know you were you were trying not to think too much about it or to put too much importance on it just in case it didn't go well. You know, the interesting thing was I obviously with Valentine, it was such a a shock to be pregnant with him and my life situation at that time. I, when I was also extremely detached originally because I was just in such shock. And then once I saw the first ultrasound, I I just, and I chose to reframe my definition of motherhood and of pregnancy and birth and marriage and the whole thing and reinvented it to be something great that I was in alignment with. Then I kind of opened myself and loved being pregnant favorite thing in the world, felt so connected to him, felt so in love and enjoyed every second of my pregnancy. And so because that was my reference point from my last proper pregnancy that, you know, went through, it really created this space of self-judgment that I wasn't, I wasn't in that same place with this pregnancy. And I felt myself judging myself and thinking I'm a bad mum already and being very, I felt disempowered because I wanted to feel excited. I'd been waiting this whole time to get pregnant and I was finally pregnant and I couldn't generate authentic, authentic excitement. And it started to concern me. And I thought, I started thinking it's, why is this so out of my control? I just have to choose it. And I have to choose to trust and I have to choose that this baby's here and I'm a mother now. I don't, I felt like I was neglecting 
the new member to our family who had who had already arrived and i felt like there was a psychological lock and barricade in my brain that was preventing me from truly <laughs> dropping in and and recognizing myself as pregnant that i didn't have control over and it started to scare me and so I went to a, first of all, I did all the inner work first that was in my power, you know, tried to meditate and visualize a baby and connect and talk to it. And I just couldn't, it was like I was numb in the womb area. And I could conceptualize I was pregnant, but I didn't kind of relate to being pregnant. And so, and I also felt pressure from everyone. Like, why aren't you excited about this? Why aren't you happy? Why aren't you, isn't this what you wanted? And I, that wasn't obviously helping <laughs> with me beating myself up about not feeling connected. And so I went to this, um, I had this online session with this incredible healer in Byron Bay, Australia, spiritual headquarters of Australia, by the way. And she helped move through any energetic blockages. And I had some cute dialogue with the baby. She mentioned how much the baby was loving chocolate. That was great affirmation. Just kept going with that. And she said, it's, it's almost as if from your birth, you had physical trauma in that womb space, which I'm going to clear for you. And, um, the baby wants you to know it's fine. It's happy. It feels connected to you. So just trust in the process and you're going to start feeling, feeling the baby and whether she meant physical or emotionally, mentally, I'm not sure. But the next day, I kid you not, was the first day that I felt a little kick. Mm-hmm. And I came here that day. I remember. Yeah. I felt a little kick and I went, no, that's impossible. Magic happens that quickly. All right. And from that day onwards, I started to feel connected and slowly open. And I also gave myself permission to allow myself to feel whatever I wanted to feel around the pregnancy and it'd be okay. And it's okay that I didn't feel detached. I didn't have to force myself into feeling attached so I could curb my self-judgment. And as, as soon as I allowed myself to just experience the detachment, it started to loosen it and it started to open me up to moving beyond that. Are you feeling kicks all the time now? All the time. Do you feel kicks today? Right now? Uh, uh, earlier, I was feeling kicks, yeah. And um, so have you been able, now that that psychic from Byron Bay lifted that lock on your womb or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> Just the way you said that, like, is that what I said? That's hilarious. What are you feeling? Are you feeling anything from the baby's energy? Like what vibes are you getting? So this is another interesting observation because I'm quite, um, I would love a girl just putting it out there. But because we don't know what, what the sex of this baby is, I don't want to project onto this little creature and then kind of create another hurdle to jump over when the baby's born and I discover it's a boy. I want to be able to be a totally open heart, blank canvas for whoever this little creature wants to be and me feel totally great about that. So I want it to be a girl and I'm feeling girl vibes, but I don't know if that's my ego projecting because I want one so bad or it's a legitimate like reading. (coughs) And if it's so important to you or you're feeling in that it's a girl so much, but you like have this thing where you like feel it's a girl, but you don't want to feel like it's a girl. Why not find out the gender? Because Carrie initiated this little adventure of not finding out the sex. Does someone just have to call something an adventure to get you enrolled? <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so he said, you know, it may be our last. I really, really don't want to find out, but I want you to be on board with me. And I was totally against not finding out in the beginning. I said, no, I want to find out. It'll help me feel more connected. And I want to know and have something to attach to and prepare around. And then he said, just sit with it before we find out, just sit with it. And the more I surrendered into the mystery of who this being is, 
the more I started to trust in the divine orchestration of there being a higher power that was guiding our family, that had a plan, that had our back. And I started to relinquish all of the little control mechanisms of the ego. And I'm now at a place where I'm really glad we didn't find out. And I, I'm in more trust now than I was when I wanted to find out. Cool. So, um, so separate from it being a girl or a boy, mm-hmm. is there anything else that you get from the baby or any other vibes? Feminine, soft. Um, so basically only girl <laughs> vibes, the only vibe you feel. <laughs> Clearly I'm very unattached though. Can you tell I'm unattached? I'm actually doing- I'm trying not to add fuel to the fire because I'm super attached to I it know. too. You're part of the problem. Feel the pressure. No, I part of my. I have a tactic that I'm gonna pretend it's a boy. Like I'm gonna pretend like I know it's a boy. But like because I'll tell you why. It's a psychological trick for myself. But why are you psychologically playing games with yourself? Because this- it's the only way that I'm gonna get the result I want. Oh jeez. Okay, so um, I'm not sure I'm gonna see the logic in this one. <laughs> no, because if I accept it's a boy and I'm fully enrolled in it being a boy, but I really want a girl as, but I really want a girl, then I. Fully accepted the idea of it being a boy. So if it turns out to be a boy, I'm I'm like, great, I already knew that. There's no shocking surprise there. It's a boy. That's great. I've already marinated on that situation. But if it's a girl, then it's like a bonus surprise. Because then I want a boy and a girl. Do you know what I mean? Like I've come to the place in my heart where I'm okay with both. But if I'm just the whole time wanting a girl and it's a boy, that's a harder bridge to cross. Totally. But why not just be like, meditate on it being a boy. You're totally fine with it being a boy. Meditate on it being a girl. You're totally fine with it being a girl. You're totally fine either way. Totally. Like, why do you have to like psychologically play yourself? <laughs> oh, this is more fun. Okay. <laughs> no. no, but at the same time, just trusting it is what it wants to be. And I don't want to project anything onto this little soul at this point of its life. Just let it be who it wants to be and know that that's perfect. perfect. And maybe it's a boy that will want to be a girl. I'm just saying, you (laughs) say you're not projecting. You can let it be whatever it wants to be. Well, then I'm just saying, let it be what it wants to be. Um, Okay, great. So what are you doing differently this pregnancy now that's your second time around versus Mm -hmm. your first pregnancy? I am studying um, anesthesia hypnobirthing. So I've just started that hypnobirthing course, um, which was beautiful to connect with that whole technique. So I I wanted to find some, I'm, I'm aiming for an unmedicated home birth again. And I this time wanted to go in with some really powerful tools to curb some intense moments to support myself relaxing into the pressure as much as possible rather than contracting and creating more pain receptors binging <laughs> for myself. So that's one thing I'm going to do differently. Um, I'm, I'm still going to have the tub set up and um, see if what I feel like in the moment, water or out of water. Um, I'm enjoying and savoring every moment with Valentine, to be honest. I'm very aware that my attention's about to get split majorly and he and I have such a special little bond that I just, I know things were on the brink of a massive change. So just enjoying how it is and, and also being okay for how it's all going to change. Absolutely. And just one thing that popped into my mind when you're saying that about Valentine is like, even though he has your full attention right now and he's not going to have that when the baby comes, he's going to have your partial attention, but he's also going to have the baby's partial attention. Oh, you man. know, He's going to be like the ultimate superhero. Yeah. Him. So he's going to get more attention than he has now from the baby and maybe a little less from you, but still a lot more. But also, net. you know, they call it growing pains for a reason. And we all know that sometimes you've got to go through something uncomfortable in order to come out the other side grown and more... <coughs> you know, of a whole human. So it's going to be great no matter mm-hmm. what. It's it's the perfect timing. Totally. I agree. Um, oh, and 40-day postpartum. That's mm-hmm. the other major thing I'm doing differently in this birth plan. 
our pregnancy planner. So <laughs> researching into the 40 day postpartum philosophy and I'm really determined not to let this postpartum period take me down like it did last time. I'm really setting myself up. I'm getting systems in place to prioritize sleep and cellular regeneration, re- like regenerating my blood, regenerating my, everything that gets depleted when you're, you, when you're making a human. So I'm taking 40 days off. I've found an incredible, I just feel so blessed and so grateful to even have this as an option. But I have, I've recruited someone from my in-law, my in-law's farm to come and help me for 40 days so I can be basically cocooned up with the baby and sleeping, resting, eating bone broth, munching on placenta and just allowing my body to rejuvenate. Because they say if you don't take that 40-day postpartum, you can um, it can take 40 days off your life. I mean, no, you, 40 you, years. It could, take you for, it could affect you for the next 40 years. 40 years. That's what it was. I'm looking I've, at Jenna like being like, finish the sentence for me because you know, you, know, you know this quote. Yeah. I, we had a great episode about that, which we'll, we'll link as well, about the postpartum period with Mother the Mother. Mm. Um, yeah, McLean. Yeah, so amazing. Um, so we'll, we can link that one too because it's really important to take care of yourself after you give a, give birth. I did not do that for either of my babies, and so I'm probably screwed for the next forty years. No. But like Amber will be laughing at me from her much superior position of health. Well, I found that my bones after breastfeeding for so long, my bones were starting to ache in the mornings. And I, I, I was the skinniest I've ever been in my entire life, not in a good way. Mm-hmm. I couldn't put on weight. It was dropping off me. And now I'm thinking that was probably EBV was also, a, you know, a culprit with my depletion of my health. But I, it's really important to have a plan that is just as organized and thought through for your post-birth than pre-birth. We spend so much time planning our birth and it planning even, the pregnancy. It's never going to go like that. Anyway, <laughs> why plan? But we should put just as much love and energy and thought into post-birth. Yeah, that you could really have a little bit more control over. Yeah. Um, so do you want to know anything about RH negative? No, for, I mean for, we for, could for, talk. For, for we could talk about different time. We could talk about the Rogan thing. I think that is an interesting, an interesting thing. Do you want to talk I mean, about in that? In a nutshell, yeah. Basically, in a nutshell. just in a nutshell. Basically, I started researching into what exactly <coughs> the Rogan shot was, and the antibody that they give you is pooled blood from many other humans that and the first, when i heard that my initial thing was whoa like line up 10 average humans how healthy do you think their blood is going to be do you th- if i had like i'm like the biggest health freak on earth and my blood was full of ebv <laughs> and i wouldn't exactly want to pass that on to someone else like impurities in my blood or imbalances in my blood so that's the first thing that kind of freaks me out. Um, th- basically, there are pros and cons of taking it. And a lot of people think the the pros of taking it outweigh the cons. And this is a totally personal call. And so many women take it and are absolutely fine. I just personally like to look at all the options, ask all the questions, not just blindly trust, look at my bio-individuality, really think about you know, I also believe whatever I'm eating is growing and affecting the baby. So clearly what I put into my body, because you take the Rogam shot at 28 weeks, is also going to affect the baby on some level. So it's got mercury and aluminium in it. And I don't want to risk that crossing the placenta and the baby taking that on unnecessarily because it, it basically is a preventative for if your bloods mix. Now, if your when your bloods mix will probably be during some <laughs> altercation like an episiotomy, forceps, a C-section, something like that, or if you have a trauma to your your stomach at that time, but I'm if all goes well at a natural birth, this is my personal plan and once again I'm not recommending this for anyone else. I just recommend looking in and investigating and trusting your intuition. And that's different. That looks different for everyone. 
But my personal plan is to opt out of the 28 week one just to, just because I can't foresee myself having an, a, you know, an accident. And if I do, I would probably take it directly afterwards because there's 74 or 72 hours where if the blood's mixed, you can still take it and it, and it works. And then I would opt out on the 28 weeks. And then once the baby's born, you can get the baby's blood type, um, figured out instantly. And then if the baby's negative, like me, there's no need whatsoever to take the vaccination. And if it is a positive, then I would probably take the vaccination once the baby is out of my system in order to protect future pregnancies and my body not producing the antibody to abort future pregnancies. But doesn't, wouldn't it, is there any evidence that since you're 25 weeks along and you didn't abort this pregnancy that you didn't, your body didn't attack this baby? So it didn't attack the baby before I'm not sensitized. Mm. So if you're sensitized, that means that you have released the antibody mm. to attack any mm. positive blood mm -hmm. inside your body. I've never released that. So even with your ectopic, there was no nope. crossing of blood. See, baby's bloods only come into the fetus at um, eight weeks, I think mm. it is. And my miscarriages were both at six. Mm. And then my the topic was, was a, around seven. So mm. I think I just missed out mm. on any opportunity for the bloods to mix. So Amazing. I'm not sensitized. What a blessing. Yeah. So interesting about Rogam. Anybody who is just look into thinking it. about I'm not it, advising you know, anyone either no. way. Please, but it doesn't have to be like you have to take it either, you know, because I know that doctor is going to tell you it's not a choice, but any medical procedure or injection is your choice. So just look into it. And just never be afraid to ask questions. You want to know what you're putting in your body. You can't just blindly trust everything. <coughs> When's your due date? Um, well, they say it's around September. I'm like on the cusp of Virgo and Libra. Um, two great signs, by the way. Whoop, whoop. But um, around 23, September 23. Amazing. But they say second time round, you just got to leave a week, you know, before either side, really. I mean, I guess that's with every pregnancy, but my birth with Valentine was pretty speedy. So who knows? Every birth's different, but I wouldn't be surprised if it, if the baby came early. Was Valentine early? Oh, uh, I think it was like a, a day and a half before his due date. Because my second kid came out way later than my first. So there's no rules. It's just, there are it's no just rules. the baby already knows what birthday it wants and what it wants its rising sign to be and everything. So it's just <laughs> going to be, it's just already decided. We'll see when it all gets revealed. That's true. How, and, does, um, yeah. how does Valentine feel about everything? Um, he, it took him a while to kind of gauge the whole um, idea of there being a human growing in my belly. He's really excited to try some booby milk. <laughs> oh. It's already like every time he sees my boobs, he's like, milk, milky, just a little try. Oh. Like, dude, you you're going to let him back on man right now. You're going to let him back on the boob? No. I mean, maybe a little taste tester, but I don't think, no. No, no, no. Jenna's showing me her teeth chomping. Um, no, I don't think so. I, I, I don't want to encourage any regression. I mean, I'm, you know, open to it and I can roll with it, but I don't want to encourage yeah, regression, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> but I think he's he's warming up to the idea and he says he'll be happy if it's a baby brother and that asking if we can take it back if it's a baby girl. By brother, he means sister. And so. Exactly. I think it's all good. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, to be honest, life has been so incredibly hectic right now that I haven't even really begun to workshop what this may mean for my relationship. Like that hasn't really, I haven't really been in the head space to visualize actually being here with a baby. And so I, I haven't yet anticipated any curveballs <clears throat> in the marriage zone, but sure that's going to pop up. I would love to, if I had limited financial resources, I would love to schedule in weekly therapy sessions leading up to my birth, just so both of us can have super clear expectations of each other's roles and how to handle when the other one feels neglected or if we need something, or if there's a frustration, I'll come up with a little bit of a plan to avoid any pitfalls. 
I mean, I guess we don't need a therapist. We could do that ourselves, but it really helps having someone kind of catch your blind spots and help formulate a, um, a plan to just protect, protect your marriage during intense times. I think that's a great point. Yeah, definitely. Even just a couple conversations would be the bare minimum for that. I'd say just like talking to your partner about, you know, expectations, Mm -hmm. what you, you know, think is going to go down roles that people can play to make it easier, Mm -hmm. uh, a way that you could get a break every single day, get some sleep Mm -hmm. every single day, Mm -hmm. just having that be part of the plan right from the beginning. Before you're in the fire. Because when you're in the fire, it all goes, it all goes to shit. You can't think straight and it's just your mind becomes jelly and you're just trying to survive. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Uh, And you know what? Men work really well with, um, requests very clear requests. They don't work well with um, psychic games. Like, why don't you just know to pick up the baby when it was screaming? I really have to ask you or you're just waiting for me to do everything. They don't work well with that. They work well with, hey, before the baby screams, I'm just letting you know when it does, I would love for you to take the initiative to go pick it up and not just wait for me to do it. But And they're like, okay, cool, I hear you. And now they have something to move forward with rather than just like, I'm not a mind reader. Like how was I meant to know you want me to do that? Totally. Even though they should already kind of know that, right? They should, yeah, they should know psychically, <laughs> but okay. I but think okay. You're, you're probably a lot more Rolling practical in one. your advice than, you know, um, that they need to know psychically. So um, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to say that you feel like we haven't covered that is important about this pregnancy process for you or how you're feeling? Um, it's been another beautiful journey on realizing that like life is so spontaneous and there is no point in projections and expectations because life is moving in phases and not one phase will ever be the same. And so to place any expectations on this pregnancy because I'm referring to my last pregnancy does not serve me or the uniqueness of this now phase. So that has been a really, you know, prominent, um, discovery, continuous discovery to just, you know, encourage me to stay in the moment without attachment to what this should be placing meaning on this. And, um, yeah, just kind of trusting in the bigger plan. Not finding out has been a real exercise in just trusting that everything's rolling as it's meant to be. And I don't, I don't have to know everything. You're one step ahead of me on that because I'm, I really want you to find out, but I'm not going to force you. And you know what? I think like this big journey during the pregnancy is preparing me to embrace this little being as a total unique individual. No projections of what I'm going to do with them because they're a girl and what they're going to wear and what they're going to be like and what they're going to do in the world (coughs) or my features that they're going to inherit. None of that is placed on this little being. Right now they are totally free to be whoever they are and I think that energetically they can probably feel that. And, oh, another thing I'm going to do differently is take this little bubba at three months, I think you start, to weekly rye um, mama baby classes where they help you with the language and the mindset to encourage autonomy um, with your child and and ultimate brain development as well. So I really support R-I-E, rye. Go check it out. Amazing. Um, so yeah, that's well, it. Wish me luck, girl. Yes, we are wishing you luck collectively and we're with you on this journey collectively. And um, we can't wait to see how this all turns out. Oh, you're going to see. You're going to be Give like, me our give us baby. our baby. Give us our baby. <laughs> I know. It's going to be it's going to be an adventure whichever way it goes. <laughs> so you guys are going to have to stay tuned to see everything else that, that goes down. And if it's a girl or a boy and what, what she's going to name it and all that fun <laughs> stuff. So yay. yay. I know we're all excited. Um, I have a little invitation here for our listener. <coughs> Excuse me. I've been coughing throughout this whole episode. Um, please forgive me. 
Um, if you have been struggling with getting pregnant, put your investigative hat on and look deeper into where you may be imbalanced in your system. Consider the emotional, physical, and spiritual components of this blockage. Where is your in, in, where is your intuition guiding you to find the answers and the right path towards balance? Because success and everything that you ever wanted is lying on the other side of that. Um, and so if you like this episode, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. This helps support our podcast, helps us get the word out there. Um, and we appreciate your support and we really could not do this without you. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Amber, for today and always being so transparent about your life and, um, just taking us along with you for your wild ride. Oh my gosh, absolute pleasure. We don't want to do it alone. That's kind of scary. Well, we're happy to be along. <laughs> thank you for listening and thank you everyone for your support on this podcast and on our own personal journeys. And I hope you feel us supporting you just as much because we're just mirroring that back to you. So love you guys. We love you. We love you and um, and fuel you with us next week. Ta-ta. Ta-ta. Ta-ta.